0: What's up guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Nickel Up podcast. This week we're down in Miami and we interviewed our good friend Ben Mater on the pod. Ben's a college dropout and has run several successful businesses over the last few years. Right now he's taking DJing seriously in Miami and he's on the come up, he's about to blow up. We saw him perform twice this weekend and the kid's great. We'd like to announce that in addition to our Sunday drops, we're also going to be having episodes on every Wednesday. This week, we have our good friend, Tyler Seller, who's been on an episode before, and he brought on his co-worker, Boston Flicks. Excited for you guys to check it out. Make sure to tune in, like, and subscribe. Thanks. Alright, um, Ben, thank you for hosting us in, uh, in your wonderful apartment. We are in Miami right now. Art Basil. Big weekend down What, here. Is,
1: what is Art Basil? <laughs> Honestly...
2: I still don't even know. Um, it, obviously there's a lot of art, but I feel like in the last couple of years, it's, well, two years ago, I feel like it was a big crypto, a lot of crypto parties, a lot of NFT parties, um, and a lot of tech stuff. But I feel like now, like the main events are just DJ events and music events. What about All, that, like,
1: uh, ATM machine? That was last year, right? The one that Diplo, like, put his, uh, yeah, it was like 42, his ATM card? 42 yeah. million dollars yeah, or something.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a ton of art galleries here, but I don't. It's just so broad. Like, there's so many. Like, everyone just uses it, uses it as a, uh, an excuse to throw a party. <laughs> what are you but most? Sick.
0: What are you most excited for this weekend?
2: Um, I'm excited for tonight. Tonight is uh the one year anniversary at Fable. Um, I played there on Friday. It was so sick. It's like the most beautiful spot in Miami. It uh. It's kind of like a Tulum, like Mykonos rooftop vibe, but it's very elegant and an amazing crowd. So I'm excited for that tonight. How did you, uh, number one, like
0: get into DJing at Fable, but then also number two, just kind of DJing as a whole?
2: So DJing as a whole. uh, So when I was younger, um, I used to sing. I used to be like a little pop star, very cheesy. It's like cringe to look back at it. But when I was about 16 to 19, when I was a junior in high school was like when I started um so I've always had a music background in that sense where I've used to like mix master my tracks I co-produced some tracks um and I always knew how to how music worked um but then when I went to college I kind of stopped doing it and I always wanted to get back into it but uh during COVID I used to throw these like sick COVID parties in Cape Cod. Uh, My friends and I, we rented a, a sweet house in, um, Chatham. And we would have COVID parties every weekend and I would just DJ for probably like 50 to sometimes like maybe upwards of like a hundred people in our place. Uh, to the point where like so many people would be like so pissed about like (laughs) spreading COVID and like all that stuff. Um, so I would just do it for friends just for fun. And then I moved down here about a year later, or a year and a half later after that, and my buddy asked me to do um, a rooftop party with him, and he was the DJ, and he was like, just bring a bunch of people out, and he went to the bathroom one time, and I just like took over, and he was like, oh shit, like, let's just DJ this together, I didn't know you knew how to play, and then from there, that was last January, and then we kind of just took it from there, and just kept on going with it. I have a really big group of friends down here, like 200 people. We have... Everyone down here in
0: this is, this is yours. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: it's, it's funny. Miami is is so different. Everyone down here is like is friends with each other. Um, everyone knows everyone. It's small, but it's big. There's there's no clicks down here. And I used to live in LA, and I thought it was very clicky. Like people had their friend groups, and I thought it was very fake. Like no one was really good friends with like everyone there. I mean, obviously there there are people, but that was my experience. Um, Here, everyone just hangs out with everyone. Everyone, I just like don't have, there's like never any problems like in our big friend group. Like I don't see like people like, there's never any fights or anything. Everyone's just like so tight with everyone and just wants to have a good time. And I think that's just like more like the, it's just like the lifestyle down here. Everyone's happy, everyone's fit. Everyone just is happier because the weather is just amazing the vibes are amazing there's so much to do it's kind of like in boston in the summer like you probably go out to happy hour all the time and you just text your boys like let's go meet here because like it's nice out like that's every day here it's nice out
1: so yeah, right right now boston saw, like we flew down this morning we looked out the window of the plane it was snowing out and it's getting dark at like 4 30. like was it just, snowing today yeah it's snowing in the morning yeah you get seasonal depression
2: yeah when it's dark at and then you you go out at 7, you're like, I feel like it's midnight, I can't
1: do this. Totally, yeah. So, moving from, you know, you were in college, where did you go to college? Uh, UNH. Okay, so New Hampshire, you're from Mass, then you went out to LA first. So, I actually did the first two years at
2: UNH. So, I took a gap year before I went to college. I did the first two years at UNH. Um, My third year, I did abroad in Barcelona. Best experience ever. Anyone who's studying abroad needs to study abroad. It was insane um second semester of my junior year i did fiu in miami it was like another it wasn't abroad but it was like called study away usa so it was like you get to pick another school inside the country and did that and Was that your
1: first glimpse of miami
2: yeah and i lived with two friends um we had a house a little bit north and north bay village um it was a sweet spot it's crazy because we lived in a beautiful like redone renovated house and we paid twelve hundred dollars each bedroom and now the rent is more than doubled that (laughs) um when you were there were you like i could see myself
1: spending time here after
2: i wanted to but i had a bunch of friends that um wanted to go to la and i lost the the battle on that one so i ended up dropping out of school that year because we had a an e-commerce business and it was doing pretty well and then we moved to la and then LA was great, it was a cool year, um, just didn't really know what, what I wanted to do yet like in life and was kind of just figuring it out and then it wasn't until I had a, like one of my best, my best friend was like, come move home, help me and let's build this business bigger and then I moved back to Boston for a year and a half before coming down here.
1: And you were doing e-commerce at the time? Yeah,
2: it was all um, e-commerce agency, fulfillment center, it was a 3PL um, as well, so we did the shipping for online brands, um, but we also had our own brands as well. And during COVID, it was
1: like the yeah. best business to was, be in. That it was, was like 2019, 2020 or like? 2020. Okay. Yeah. Like, the day the
2: stimulus checks hit was like the best day ever. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure.
0: How long were you like in the, what, what brought you into the e-commerce space? How did you first start dipping your toes into that?
2: It was because of my best friend. Um, he, he's the one that gets full credit to it. Um, he's the one that just brought me in and I just kind of onboarded people to, um, using the platform. He made an app for Shopify and I basically taught people how to use the app and what products to sell and just brought, like I did the marketing basically for it. And then Instagram changed their algorithm and it stopped working the same. So then we just started using it for ourselves. And we, and he rebuilt it bigger and he worked with all the devs. I kind of did more of like the, the warehouse, like management, I took care of all the employees, made sure like all the filament was going out and all that type of stuff.
1: Yeah. And did you kind of see like a way out of that or did like, was that not where your, your passion was? Um, It was kind of like, we knew it was very short lived. We were selling products that weren't, uh,
2: Anyone could sell these products. It was yeah. just getting stuff from China. Uh, they weren't something that was going to last long. It was just short money, but it was good money. And It was a good, like start. Uh, the the 3PL would have been something that would have been long-term because everyone needs their stuff shipped and, and uh, put in storage. But it wasn't something like I always wanted to be the face of something, and it wasn't until then where I, I started my hat company where I was like, this is cool because like, I can be the face of it. It's just me. I can like market it myself by just wearing it around, making videos of me making these, these custom hats. So that was kind of, that was kind of like the downfall of, well, the downfall was ads were are starting to get so expensive, our products weren't selling as much. And it was kind of like, I was doing both at the same time type deal.
1: So you touched on the hats there. Like, how did that come into the picture? Did, you know, obviously it's a very hands-on arts and crafts, like kind of mm-hmm. fine skill. Um, how did you like, you know, make your first hat and, and end up making many more? So,
2: I did a trip to Aspen with a couple buddies and there's a store there called Kimosabe. That, like everyone goes and gets these hats from. And I bought two hats one day there and it, it was just like there was nothing really to do there, everything was closed, so like we just hung out there and we just like were designing hats and there were a couple girls that worked there and we were just kind of like shooting the shit. And I was, like, kind of very intrigued on, like, how they were made. And these hats were around, like, 800 to upwards of, like, a couple thousand dollars. So I bought two, and I was, like, oh, I want to get more of these hats. Like, these are sick. So from there, that same night, I went home, and I figured out, like, where do you get the, like, they're made out like of beaver fur and rabbit fur. So I was, like, where do you supply this from? And I got this guy, coming like, in Ukraine that uh, sold the felts. And I ordered, like, a bunch of, like, wooden blocks. That's how you use, it's what you used to. Uh, mold the hats and it took me probably like two two and a half months to acquire like all the tools maybe like Maybe like about ten thousand dollars in supplies not that much to ent- to, for, um, to enter it and Once I got everything I drove out to Palm Springs rented a house uh, right right where Coachella is it's um it was literally like the neighborhood like right where Coachella is and We got a sweet spot there with, with my roommate and um the second hat I ever made, it was literally the second TikTok video I made. I had mm-hmm. zero followers on TikTok. And the video just blew up, got probably maybe like almost two million views. But it was this company, um, Unilad. I don't know if you know. Yeah, I've seen them before. Okay, so like they they asked, they reached out to me and they're like, Hey, can we post um can we post your TikTok on our page? And they did on their Facebook page. And their Facebook page got like 20 million views and like instantly like my I was like my Instagram was going nuts and then I just started getting I made a website uh, that same night that they posted it and I put maybe four different style hats on there and I sold maybe in the first like three days like 30 hats maybe and at the time I was selling them for four to five hundred dollars and I was like holy shit
1: like and you'd guy. only made like three hats before that I literally made three I didn't even know how to make them yet like I didn't know how to fully I didn't know how to sew yet. Wow. Yeah. So you must have learned a lot through those like thirty hats. Like it took me a while to finish those
2: hats. Like it was I didn't have packaging yet. Like I didn't have like a lot of the essential stuff. But it took me a while to get them done because I was just like a one man show. Um, my ex would help me like out a lot with them. Uh, yeah. But I it took me probably like a whole another month to get those done, and it was like hard to take more orders on. Um, But then I started, like, getting the nice packaging, like, getting better tools, better fur, like, better supplies, and then really, like, took it to, like, a more serious level. And and then six months after that is when I moved down here. I ended up getting my own office space for it. Uh, It was actually just a second apartment, um, like, right up the street in Edgewater. Uh, I just turned that into, like, a little hat workshop, and then, um, yeah, I started making them out of there
0: did the, the e-commerce business that you were running back up in boston kind of help you um build the infrastructure out for the hat business because i mean it's pretty hard i feel like it'd be pretty hard to sell like a hat for 500 bucks when you're a brand new company with you know no real branding other than a unilad video
2: yeah um yeah the e-commerce experience helped i actually never did any marketing for my hat company the videos kind of them like, sold themselves I think people when they would watch the videos of me making them realize how much work would go into making a hat so they would understand the the price point of the hat cuz now I sell them for like an average of like 8 850. So, I mean, the actual um the U- the Ukrainian and Russian war actually made the price of the fur go up over like 2 like 250%. Like it it costs a lot of money for fur. And I always forget like I have like $30,000 of like fur just like here yeah yeah like unused like fur like not just the cost of it not even the hats aren't even made yet Hmm. which i always forget because that's it's just so expensive now um but when i originally well that's what i probably bought it for but it's actually probably worth even more now so which is kind of cool to think about but um yeah so i think it's more just the videos of Showing the process of how they're made and that they're made by specifically me, people were attracted to the fact that like, okay, I'm not supporting like this big business. Like I see the person that's making it, um, and, like it's going towards him. They can see like it takes like two days to make a hat. It takes two days because that's to dry. I'd say labor hours. It's probably about four hours per hat.
1: But, um, and yeah. it's also like a aesthetic like video too. It's like it's kind of satisfying. It's easy to yeah. watch. Like like, the process, you make it look good, so, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no, honestly, the steamer,
2: you know, the videos
0: of, like, you walking back, (laughs) back in and out of your apartment, but, no, I thought it was really cool, because, um, I feel like I bought a hat from you on, like, the earlier end, right, um, I was, you know, I bought one, worn it out a few times, and I always get, fucking million compliments on it, but it was really cool to see you kind of refine your craft over, you know, the years when, or over the year, that your hat company was a priority, yeah. You know, I know the packaging improves, like the yeah. inside lining of the hat, yeah, does it was a lot better because, like, now your hats they have like the don't be a sheep or whatever, right? Yeah, and the then, wolf inside, right? Does yours have that or no? no? It doesn't have it, doesn't? it no, okay, but, yeah. Um, mine was a custom one you did for me because I wanted it to match my pea coat, yeah. And then you told me, I don't know if this is true, but like, you had like somebody on the leafs. And They wanted like my hat in particular and you're like no, nah, I'd give it to you, but this is a custom order um, Who was you remember it? that story or was it Mitch Marner that used to wear your hats?
2: Mitch Marner wears them. Yeah Yeah, yeah. I think
0: it was him. He, like, you were out with him once in Miami
2: and you texted no, no, no. me I wasn't out but he uh, I think I might have sent it to him and he was like I like that that I want that one. And it was like the last color, but I, but I gave it to you. Yeah <laughs> Your color is like I love that one. I, don't, I can't get that color anymore, which is sad.
0: Yeah, it's but. a greenish beige it looks good it's yeah. pretty neutral so it goes with a lot but yeah.
1: so that was like your first kind of face well obviously besides the music like in high school um you were the face of something that was your brand you were that was like my first it. brand
2: that i was like the face of because i've had so many brands over the years of just like jewelry companies and just random yeah. stuff but that was like the first one where i was like i could put my face behind it mm-hmm. um and honestly that was like the reason i feel like why i've made so many good friends down here is because when I first moved here, I would wear a hat everywhere I went. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I was like a walking meme around Brickle because I just was always like, that's the hat guy. like. And I would go into all the restaurants. I'm just so, I'm like a very outgoing person. I would hang out with like all the people that worked at every restaurant. I knew everyone, but like everyone else like would just like know, like I always wear a hat and I'd come in and like have just a crazy new hat on and I just feel like I met so many people because it's such an easy conversation starter, especially when like people are like, oh, where'd you get it from? I'm like, oh, I make it then
1: it's like, oh, like people are more intrigued on on what it's all about. So is that something that like you feel like, I mean, it's probably similar to like being in high school, you're the music guy and like you kind of like, there's there's a lot of attention, whether that's wanted or unwanted that comes with that. So were you kind of used to that at that point, And like, you were just like embracing it? I think the funniest thing is
2: when I was younger, when I used to like go around, people would always come up to me and be like, oh, are you Ben Mater? Or like, can I get a picture? Like it would be like younger, teeny bopper girls. And the funniest thing is I went to the Heat game one time and three times, to- I've never had this happen, like multiple, like, multiple times the same night, three people from the Heat game came up to me and they're like, holy shit, like you're the guy that makes hats, like I see you on TikTok. And then they would be like, they'd literally have it pulled up like right there. And I was like, wow, that is so funny. Because I'm so used to like people being like, oh, like you make music. And then they're like, oh, you make hats. And that was the first time I laughed because I'm like, I'm like, this is so, so different, but like, it's happened before
1: in my life in a different way, and it was kind of intentional too, right? To to change your image in a, in a way. Yeah, you.
2: yeah. It was just, yeah, but yeah, but it was just di- it was different. Yeah. Like Now it was before. It was like me, and then now it's like my brand. So it was cool to see. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we got recognized for the first time the other day. We were up on our building gym, and then some guy was like, "Hey, like you guys are the kids of the podcast, right?" I'm like, yeah.
2: It's so, sick. Oh, no, cool. There's not that many people that have. A good quality podcast like you guys do and you guys do it right i mean the whole set this rig that's in here right now is amazing it's sick and um from all your videos online like you guys crush it i love it i've never wanted to do a video podcast before because i wanted to didn't want it to be cheesy i don't really like to talk about myself that much i'm like kind of shy on camera <laughs> when i have to talk but i i'm not shy on camera like when i'm like i love to like entertain i love to I fucking love to DJ. I love to host. I have 30 people here for dinner like once a week and it's all my friends. I love to entertain and host. It's my favorite thing to do.
0: Yeah, I'm pissed we're missing one of those pasta nights. That was like so (laughs) fun. No, we're
2: we're getting a whole art house a week here. So
0: so let's uh, let's reel it back a little bit to your start in music. So, you know, you said you kind of went on like this Little like wave when you were sixteen to nineteen. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that opportunity like? Like, how did you exactly grow your brand when you were sixteen and kind of still nobody?
2: I think it actually happened pretty fast. I think the the best takeaway from it was how much I learned from it. Um, when I started, I definitely took a lot of. I it was. I mean, I look back and I'm like, this is cringe. But you learned so much as like a young kid. Like, I was throwing my own shows and states, all over the country. Um, I would be able to sell my own 500 tickets to a venue myself. I would have to front money to rent out a venue like Webster Hall in New York City, which is an iconic venue. I did that three times. I used to do the Middle East downstairs in Boston. Like it would cost $5,000 to rent it out. out. And I would have to front the money to be able to rent out that venue. Um, And then you'd have to, all the money that you make back on tickets would be the money that you make. But, like, I was so hungry as a kid, and I you know it's like I feel like ignorance is bliss in that sense, where I look back and I'm like, "Wow, like this music was so shitty, but like I was so determined to to do it, and I just like was so ignorant about it, where I, you just don't even see it, but it worked, and I was the most confident in my life ever, except and now I have like I feel like I have that same momentum back in a different way with uh DJing so i feel like i learned a lot just from just throwing my own shows and like my parents were the most supportive parents ever but financially they were always like you like this is on you to do it but they were very supportive in the sense of like my mom is my number one fan she's bumping hit it from tinder (laughs) like like she actually rips hit it from tinder we were ripping that earlier, 4:30. Uh,
0: I, w- I woke him up with that this morning.
2: <laughs> no, yes. Yeah, my mom actually is like, "This is my favorite song." Like,
0: that's great. Yeah. It's catchy. It's like, that's it's funny. fun. Um, Fine. so how did you like get to a point where you could even sell 500 tickets to one of these music venues? Because it's not easy to do when you're 16 years old. Like, how did you first get your name out there as an artist?
2: I through a lot of ways. I uh, was pretty big on like Twitter. Um, it was like the whole like Viner. Phase. Okay. I wasn't a Viner, but okay. I got asked to open for like a bunch of their their tours and shows like Jacob
0: Sartorius and them
2: yeah, like um, Like Cameron Dallas Nash career type people Shawn Mendes was in there back then um, I used to do like a bunch of the oh, op- I would be the opener for like a bunch of their shows and those girls were crazy like they would They would I mean they would do anything and they would post so many photos on social media and it helped so much and um i would do that and then i would go like to if somebody else was performing at like the house of blues in boston or like the uh couple other venues in boston i would go and i'd go to the line and i would like have like business cards there with like my uh social media like handles on it and i would wait until like a couple girls would like run up to me and they would like ask for a picture and then once like five do the whole line is like who is that? Like I want a picture. And then I would have like a friend, like hand out, like all the cards and everyone would just take a picture and they would post it on Instagram with me, not even knowing who I was. And then it would just like snowball effect. So that would help. And then I would open for a bunch of people that would help. And then I would do my own stuff. So it was kind of just like combined. That's like, crazy that they just things.
1: wanted to like, they didn't even know who you, who you were. They just Dude, like
2: figured like, Oh, he's famous. Like, it, it would. That's what, that's like the era like that era of like those like Viner, these yeah. guys like those girls were insane like they would shake cry like scream like as soon as they thought someone was famous they would just like run over and like swarm and it worked so well and um i would do it with like my my friends would like come help me out we would do it together some of them were other music people like we do a lot of shows together so it was kind of just like a snowball effect of
1: of that and it was pretty pretty quick what was like looking back like obviously like you have to like remember there's some great memories there like one like favorite memory or just like some show that like you Feel like was like monumental like, you know, just like you're young or you're, you're crushing it oh.
2: There was like a really good one I did um, it was a Christmas. It was like maybe t- two days before Christmas or something like that it was um It was Paradise Rock Club in Boston. It was sold out. It was for this uh it was like with a bunch of other people and that was like one of the best it was my senior year of high school and that was like one of the best moments where i was like wow this is like so sick it's like a thousand people so many of the people there already knew me because i was from boston weren't like all my direct ticket sales at all but it was like most people there knew who i was just because i have done so much in boston but i mean there's there's so many good memories a lot of them are just like with my friends like we would just go We were, like, so young, just getting hotels in New York, New Jersey, Philly, like, like, fucking around, like, having the most fun, like, underage, just, like, going out, like, random college parties, like, yeah, it was cool.
0: What was it like when you were in high school? Because, I mean, like, I know at my high school, like, the kids who were in the arts definitely kind of got shit on here and there. And, like, if, you know, somebody was putting out SoundCloud rap, you know, they wouldn't, they'd get shit on, too. So what was it like, you know, you kind of singing Justin Bieber-type music, um like in high school when kids can be pretty mean
2: it was uh my junior year i, I took a lot of shit uh it was, was it i mean guys
0: mainly or mainly girls it, or? it was
2: guys like it never like bothered me right at all and i it was just more awkward sometimes like i would be down the hallway and like some guy would just like be screaming my name down the hallway and i was like i don't know i don't know what the fuck to do like <laughs> am i supposed to like laugh at it or like it's awkward someone just screaming your name like i don't know what to do i'm not gonna like the guy in school um so that would happen but like at the end of the day like by senior year I mean I would do shows and like some of the shows I'd be getting like a five thousand dollar check at like 17 18 years old and I would do like three shows in a weekend sometimes so it was I was like I don't fuck like (laughs) I was making so much money as a senior in high school it was pretty sweet
0: yeah, no, it sounds like that you kind of had the, the, you know, the money coming in to back it up, but it definitely takes, you know, a lot of stones to start posting anything online or to start yeah. doing anything in the creative space. And it can be intimidating because, you know, people always kind of congratulate, when they do congratulate you, it seems like it's very tongue in cheek sometimes, mm-hmm. but not really authentic. But then once you do blow up, it's, you know, it's great.
2: Yeah. The the thing that it's different down here is like now, like my like i my friend group down here is so like ride or die and so supportive and like they are so like so like they just have my back and they come to everything of mine they do anything for me and it's just like i've never like it's just so different now like it's it's actually amazing like
1: how supportive like my group is here talk about that like finding that again you know the the passion like drive for music um and like a perf- to be a performer What was that was there like some kind of moment when you were like you know getting back to the getting into the djing and like you moved down here and you're like you felt a similar way that you felt when you were 16 17 and like had these goals to be on stage um
2: i think honestly my my like best moment where i was like holy shit! like i feel like i don't know like um this friday we did the show at the place i'm playing at tonight fable and that was like my first time really doing something that was to that many tickets we had 850 people came the venue holds 600 people it was one in one out after the first hour it was insane amount of people there and it was crazy we did five days of promotion for it and i just like didn't like that that was like the moment where i was like I I need to do this. I want to do this. I'm gonna go all in, and I need to do it like it needs to be right now because the window is so short. Like I have everyone supporting me, but two years from now, like, these people might move on. They might have get married. They have kids. Like my friends are gonna start to uh, whittle out, not in a bad way, but just in a <laughs> in a life way. Life goes on. So like it needs to. I'm like going all out right now, and I'm putting my hat company on hold. I'm just doing music school every single day, and just. I the last last box I need to check is I just need to have my music be the best. Like I need to be the best producer. So for the next like three months, I'm just only doing production school.
0: What's production school like? It's not like a.
2: It's not like a specific, like actual like college or something. I just buy a ton of online classes to like. There's just like packages that can teach you how to do everything on Ableton and production and music theory so I'm just taking different courses like on my own and then basically you I mean the way you learn is just by doing it like that's the best way to learn It's doing it yourself and YouTube is
1: the best thing ever because you can find everything out on YouTube so to be the best like you know in your head what does that look like is there certain like benchmarks that you have set out for yourself in terms of like performances and like venues or uh, just different things that you can accomplish not a, I don't, I think it.
2: There's no like specific person where I would play with and be like, okay, I made it. That wouldn't, that wouldn't do it for me. It would more so just be like, uh, I don't know. Is there
0: a venue you want to play, or somebody that you want to like my, sing sing over your beats? Or
2: there's a venue would obviously be space in Miami. Like my my goal for the year was I need to play. Space by January, I know, sorry, by June 1st. That, that was my goal. I made that last June 1st. I was like, I did my first like real show. And I was like, by this time next year, I need to play at Space. And it's just an iconic venue here. And it's, it's amazing and it's real music fans, And you can just take people for an absolute musical journey and ride there. Like it's, it's the coolest thing. I mean, everyone has on so many drugs and yeah. Have you guys been to Space? I've never been to space. I've been to
0: 11 and I've been to like Mr. Jones. So the other big Miami clubs, big Miami clubs, but I've never made it to space. Just never had the opportunity to.
2: So, I mean, the house and EDM culture is just so different than hip hop culture. It's just, I was actually at a hip hop club the other night in Miami beach. And, um, when I was there, I was just like, I haven't been to a hip hop club in so long. And I was like the culture at, Like a house, venue is just so much better, and everyone there is just having so much more fun. Everyone dances. No one really cares about. You're not thinking about whether people like look. No one. Yeah, you you don't go there to like. I feel like people go to hip hop clubs to flex, and when you go to like a house club, like you go there to have a fucking good ass time and dance. Like, you go there to for someone to take you on a musical journey and just go, have fun. Like people, it's just such a different environment like the house the hip-hop clubs like girls are sitting like on the back of the the booth like up top like just looking good i'm sitting there just like trying to have fun i'm like this isn't fun for me (laughs) i kind of like it yeah
0: so as somebody who's had like you've had your fingers in like a million different pots like your entire life whether it was the jewelry business or the hat business or the you know the teen music and mm-hmm. now like the more djing you're doing now like what's your advice to somebody who you know has a lot of hobbies or interests and they're just trying to like stay focused because i mean there's definitely you know like a healthy balance between trying a bunch of things out and you know giving everything a chance once but then you also got to kind of like skate your lane put your head down and grind on some things every now and then so like how have you found that balance and you know, managed your priorities
2: over the last few years um my biggest advice would just be like, try everything, try everything, meet everyone, be nice to everyone. Just put yourself out there. And I, I struggle staying focused myself. Like it is so hard. I like doing things on your own or just being self-employed is just, it's tough. Cause there's, I've had my hands in so many different things where it's like, I can't focus on one thing in a, almost in a way that it hurts me because it's it takes time away and I get distracted because I just do like one thing for this business and then the other thing for music and then it's just like going back and forth it takes the priority away from like what you actually want to do so I think if I was better at just focusing like on one specific thing which is what I'm trying to do right now I think it'll be so much more um, productive and my time will be much better spent um, yeah so that's honestly my biggest struggle is is my focus It's it's tough when you when you have so many different things going on and you're trying to focus on this event, but I'm trying to run my hack company at the same time. And then your time gets stretched out. Um, and then the weekends come every week and I'm playing (laughs) gigs and we're having these crazy parties and events. Um, so yeah, it just becomes hard to stay. I'm going to say stay focused, but just like time management, it's the hardest part.
0: Yeah, definitely. Have you, like, been this focused in a while? Because it seems like you're pretty, like, your current goal is just,
2: you know, I'm going to be a DJ. Like, what's, like, how, is this the most focused you've been in a while? I think it's the most focused and just the most confident, like, the most confident in myself, where I'm just, like, I know when I go out and I know when I play, like, I'm giving people a good time. And and that's all I really want to do is just make people feel good. And that's, like, the best compliment you can get is somebody being, like, this was the best night I've ever had out. And, um, yeah, that's, it's been easy to see that, that people were having fun because
0: everybody's always posting your stories, a million different angles of you. You know, you get the headphones over your eyes. You're standing on top of the DJ board, just like random shit like that. But, you know, we saw people posting that for, you know, the better part of the last month since we've known we've we've been coming down here and we've been so excited to come like specifically because, you know, we knew we were going to come here with you and we knew that we were going to see you live at Fable. So um, you know the your goal is definitely getting out there. So yeah,
2: yeah. And so I, I just I got a short window, so I got to make it happen now.
1: What goes into like DJing, like for like the components? Because like obviously there's a lot more than pressing play, and a lot of people think it's you know pressing play, touching buttons and stuff. But like, yeah. what are like some of the main? uh i guess like pillars that you would like you kind of have to like focus and like hit on like while you're on stage or even just like in the production like stages
2: it's it's like it's pretty hard like the hardest thing is is um god there's like been nights where i feel like i've been at war like when you play at these some of these like bigger venues there's just like you're dealing with people that are very intoxicated and like on drugs and like just like they're all around you behind you touching you like asking for this that and like you're trying to like curate a room while like everyone's asking or, or doing something and like touching you and it's 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 like a you're at war sometimes with like the people like, that are around you like sometimes i've had guys that have been like in the booth that are just like consistently asked for something and this guy's like he's like let me buy you a bottle and i was like I, i'm good i have my own bottles here guys demanding buying me whatever bottle i want and i'm like i'm good and then he's just yelling at me like i want to buy you a bottle and then he's like i'll buy out the whole club and i was like bro like chill i had to make security come kick him out but you're trying to mix you're trying to like make the place a vibe and to curate the whole room and you have like these people like fucked up just screaming like random stuff at you and um It's just like, as the night goes on, you feel like more and more, the the room's getting more like they're just getting deeper and they're turning into zombies.
1: What about like, I mean, for you, I don't know how big of an issue this was because your social circle is like so strong Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of supporters and friends here. But like when you're first starting DJing and you're in like an empty room Mm -hmm. and like, you know, you have to show up and do it because you need to improve and you need to stay consistent. Like, how does that like feel? Okay, so I haven't had to deal with that that
2: like really that much because yeah. I didn't start dealing. I didn't start DJing until I had a friend group, of course, that I knew I could bring. So like, luckily, like, I didn't like start off with like no friends like DJing. I I waited to DJ until I had that group where I could just bring out like X amount of friends, and it would be a full room. So I haven't really. Like, the only time I've had like awkward experiences or just times that I wasn't having a good time was like Coquette. a private. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> we can't say that. Don't <laughs> okay, say that. Right, no, don't I don't want to say anything bad. Um, it's just like when you're doing. I've done like private parties where I'm like, okay, this isn't. This makes me like hate DJing. Like I don't want to DJ. Like this this isn't fun. This but takes you know the you have to, to. No. Get your name out there a little bit. No, more no. I I anything. would just do it if it's like if it was like a good good money good money. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna say no to good money, but now I'm like I'll say no to good money because I don't like doing it and it's just like kind of cheesy
1: what do you think about those TikToks about like it's like my brother came home from college and he's like a dj oh my god everyone yeah (laughs) i feel like was that like i mean i don't know i didn't go to college so like is that has that always been like a thing where like kids just like think they can become a dj in college or is that like very like relevant like right right now i mean if i could go back to college i would 100 percent
2: like DJ like DJing if you were the main DJ of your frat and if you went to a sixth school oh like, you went to Penn State right? yeah I had a good time there, there so was... you guys must have crazy pre- like, tailgates
0: yeah no the tailgates are great and then the frats are good too um you know like a lot of the DJs still, you know like a lot of the frats there's like different tiers obviously yeah. so you see like your top tier your middle whatever lower like whatever the social standing is but like each of those tiers would probably have like a few different DJs in -hmm. each different pledge class so they would collaborate you know pretty well yeah and they would always you know I I still listen to a few DJs from Penn State that put out like you know two friends type mixes where you know it's just songs different mixes drops so you know the kids are plenty talented and I know some kids are kind of going out and doing stuff on their own right now Mm -hmm. but I don't really think that many college DJs are able to make like a viable career off of it it's more of just like a hobby that they're when they're yeah. thrown in their basement on thursdays but
2: but a um, lot of them i feel like a lot of teachers come out like they start in college in that frat scene and then they there'll be like one that'll like break away and just like take it more serious and he will be like really good he will do it um i mean yeah if i could go back to
1: college then like i would totally yeah. who are some like djs or producers that you like look up to or just kind of admire like their styles or their music that they put out there's so many right now.
2: Um, Mal P is one of my favorite. Uh, he's just very like gritty tech house. Like he's just like you look at him and I'm like, this kid has it. And he's a very good producer and like, he has it as a DJ. And, like you see him and you're like, he's a, like, he's a star. And um, Green Velvet is one of my favorite DJs as well. He just makes such amazing music. Uh, also, just a star. Um, I mean there's there's so many legends like I mean Diplo is just like he's done so many different things he's so he's so um, influential he's just like a funny like good guy and he's been in the game for like over 20 years Um, so like yeah those are like three of my my top right now Diplo has always been there Uh, there's I mean obviously John Summit is he's a star like he came in scene and like he just people love him like he puts on a show and it's not always about like just making the best music like you have to just have the it factor where people like look at you and they know that like you bring like you make the room
1: vibe is that someone that you've kind of looked at his you know rise to to where he is now and kind of studied of course of course i always
2: look at it um it's obviously the First person I don't want to like like say that to because it's going to sound, it sounds cheesy to be like, oh, like I want to be like a John Summit. Like, <laughs> no, I want to be like my own thing and my own type of music. But obviously, like I idolize what he's done and he's amazing and he, he brings the juice. Like he comes to the everywhere he plays and he just rips it and everyone has a good time. And that's like the end goal. It's just he's humble as fuck too. Like, everyone just wants to have a good time. And that's the goal. Like I just want people to feel good when they. come to see me
0: yeah so like you just mentioned like four huge djs obviously Mm -hmm. and then like previously you had said that you know like there's nobody that you could play with it would make you say that oh i made it Mm -hmm. but like what are these four people you know like summit diplo whoever else um like what did they do to get so big and like how are you trying to like re like follow their footsteps while also trying to stay fresh and on your own vibe
2: um Diplo just, I mean, Diplo has had a, a long ride and it, I was actually like, we were so young for that. He's had his hands in every track he's done. Like, I mean, he's done hip hop. He's done biggest pop records with, I mean, every single big A-list celebrity. So his journey was way different, but I know that he was like starting out with just like, he was just playing like vinyl record and I think he has a massive vinyl record collection actually. And he, he started out in Philly. I think, yeah. yeah. Philly. Um, and I mean, John Summit was Chicago, and they have a great music scene there. um He was like, I mean, he's been around for a while; like, he's been producing for a while. But it wasn't until COVID, and then he had, um what was it? Deep end came out, and that was like that blew up on uh TikTok. I love the video
1: of him in his basement too.
2: He did, he did like some tutorials, yeah. Yeah, it was YouTube like a tutorial how to make like a like a gritty. Like, it was like a gritty baseline, totally like a yeah, rolling but, baseline or something. But you like can that. tell
1: he's so invested and focused on it and like yeah he had not he had none of what he has now yeah um but he is kind of the same person he's, which is, he's the which same person which is like, so cool that's also like what i love about djs i feel like they
2: don't they don't change like when they get famous like i feel like there's there's not that many djs that like or like they that flex you know they're, they're a brand. lot of them are
0: kind of like mysterious and you just kind of recognize the names i feel like
2: yeah they're not like as soon as they blow up they're not like rocking like crazy chains like i've never seen a dj with like a crazy like iso cuban or something like ridiculous <laughs> right like we you know, saw, who do we just see? don't there's like, more normal people we we're on the
1: flight with paulie d come back from yeah paulie d, d from, from vegas from vegas really
0: yeah adapt him up but
1: <laughs> he's always like he's always everywhere yeah i guess that's just the lifestyle though, that's right? the crazy part is like is
2: sometimes i'm like no i actually i i have like endless energy but there are times where you do or like you 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 wonder like how do these guys do three shows in a day they they're literally like in one state they fly across the country to another, and then they go like straight to Europe like in the summer, these guys are doing festivals like three times a day and they have to go back to their residency in like Vegas. It's insane like they're just like not sleeping and they're just go go go, and they're just playing everywhere like it's it's pretty wild like sometimes I do like I've done like three shows in a day in Miami, and I think it's the coolest thing ever because you go from like like a midday like like party and then you'll do like uh like a Joya Beach like sunset party and then you'll do like um I did like a treehouse like headlining show that same night which is like a darker I've techno I've been to tree, spot. Yeah, I've been to Treehouse. So in like those days I'm like it's sick cuz it's kind of like you're like it's on a tour but it's like you're like doing like so many different things in the same day. But when you think about it with adding in flights and going to these massive festivals like 50,000 people it's like holy shit.
1: Is the residency kind of like the the goal for like any dj is that um, something that you like look towards is like okay when you have a residency at a known club like you've kind of made mm-hmm. it and that's another level to hit i mean actually i don't know if that obviously
2: the residencies make the djs a lot of money like yeah. the biggest will pay them like big contracts for the year but i don't think it's like that it's not like the end all be all it's not like that's like, not like what you're looking for i think people would rather just do like their own tours um that's not really, honestly, that's something I never thought about being like, oh, like the big DJs get the, the big residencies and they just get a lot of money out of it. But I don't think they really, it's not going to be their favorite shows because it's going to be, it's not going to be as music. They're not going to be music fans. Like these are people that are coming to the club to like party and it's much better to play in, in front of a crowd. That's like a festival because those people are coming for the music, like not to just party. Yeah. So
0: you just kind of mentioned like different types of crowds, and I mean, I know you said that when you like DJ like Coquette, like you couldn't really go into like that deep of house because it's kind of like a
2: brunch. It's just like a, br- yeah, it's so a is brunch. Yeah. So also it? Do you ever have like
0: difficulty like reading the crowd and figuring out what they want, or is it like ever difficult to really get the crowd jumping on a certain night in the
2: beginning? Sometimes, like there's been times where the crowd has been a little weird, but how do you get past that? I don't know. It's just, it just sometimes it just like whittles its way to like what you want it to be. But sometimes it takes a little bit more. Like you feel like you're almost like fighting like the crowd, in a way. But for the most part, like I'm doing venues, and bringing out a hundred plus of my own people. So they're gonna support so you no like, matter what. I know what they're gonna want here. So I haven't really had those challenges that much, yet.
0: Have you ever like walked away from the show and been like, "Wow, I fucked, like I fucked up. <laughs> this like this sucked. But like I failed tonight." Or is that? not really happen to you? Or do you feel like that, you know, you're never going to let that like go to your head because it's such like an artistic and creative space?
2: You can fuck up DJing and no one will notice in the room. Like, There's like, you'll notice, but unless there's like a DJ in the crowd, like they'll probably notice, but like the average person does not know they, they, you can fuck as up. the
1: night goes on and they're
2: just yeah, getting you, more and more you fucked can, up. You can fuck up and they're, they're not going to know what's going on. Um, <laughs> I've been kicked off the stage before uh why because you went too
0: long or like you got the cow too rowdy
2: no it was just like it was honestly just like a, a messed up situation and i don't want to like say like where it was or anything but like it was just can like, you give us the general details i was just kicked off the the vibe of my music was different than like what they wanted um i brought out still like 50 people and they were just like you're done like get off and it was kind of a miscommunication between they thought i was making money behind the venues back selling tickets, even though I did a free RSVP link, I never would take money behind the venues back, especially if it's my first time doing it at a venue for like 140 bucks, like absolutely not. Like I would never try to make someone pay to get in when I'm promoting it online for free. So yeah, that was pretty, that that just made me realize more like, I just need to focus on like making my own shit being the best where i can just go and play whatever i want to play and building than, genuine connections with yeah venues, rather you know, than just like play for someone else's party play for someone else's event
1: like yeah i remember it was sick like uh it was in june well, mm-hmm. on that boat i was down there yeah. i was down here that was so much fun it was like you played for like two hours like sunset on the yeah. boat and then we were like going back into dock and you're just like yeah. "Fuck it another hour <laughs> we, we th- the boat turns around and like yeah. there's fireworks going off like right when that happened that was that was um, like my
2: best friend Rachel's um, birthday party and yeah that was so sick. We were heading back into dock and I was like to ask the captain how much it is for another hour. And I was like I'll pay it and it was like a thousand dollars and I was like sent him money right away because everyone's having so much fun like we didn't want to end it. There were definitely some people on the boat that were like pissed because they had like <laughs> dinner reservations but it was so much fun and as soon as that boat turned around like these random fireworks started going off it was like the coolest thing ever and what happened to you you broke your arm or well yeah because we, <laughs> we, we were going down to nashville dude and i i,
0: I it was an awful break i feel like we ended up talking about we've this talked about this i'm like, like, literally, like every single <laughs> the
2: i have heard the story but i remember you're supposed to come i was pumped for you to come like show you like it's sick time down here and i was like fuck.
1: you said that time that like time of june though that was like a very kind of pivotal like moment for you to like to realize this is like yeah that's your, that's your when focus. i started
2: doing like uh like more like serious venues and stuff like that. And yeah, like better spots. And that's when I was like, starting to go at it. And then like, I feel like after summer, just really started going at it, doing my own shows, own ticketed events. Um, That's where all the money is. It's like you run your own ticketed events, keep 100%
1: of the tickets for the most part. You and just, that comes back to the business model when you were a kid, yeah. 17 years old. like yeah renting out a club in boston and and selling tickets right
2: yeah but this time like when you the the nightlife is so much different because when you have people that are buying alcohol like you don't pay a fee to the venue yeah you actually get a percentage of the
1: venue okay so it's it's way better yeah way more money to be made well cool i think i think like one thing that we try to do here and like we haven't done it like yet really since we're getting off the ground but like kind of revisit like where like when we have a guest on where they're at so like it'll be cool you know, six months from now, yeah. June, July, to sit down again, see where you're at, yeah. obviously see where the show's at and everything. And uh, I think, it, yeah. Absolutely,
2: it's gonna, that would be sick. Hopefully it's in another city too. Yeah. yeah hopefully or hopefully fun. you guys move down here. <laughs> yeah, I know, we were just saying
0: that. Um, I think like the plan is to, you know, like, we're doing like production for other people now mm-hmm. too. So, you know, we got our own show, but uh, we got a couple others, you know, launching um early 2024 that we're excited about. So once we can kind of get a foothold in Boston, we're looking to uh, expand to a new city. And um, I think Miami's on the very high up on a very short list. So. um,
2: How did you guys come up with Nickel Up, the name?
0: So just like, um, it's like some nickel up is just, you know, saying that I've always kind of heard throughout my life. And it's like, Oh, like, what what does it mean? It's somebody who just hustles like every day. They're just, you know, doing whatever to, to get their nickel up. And like, I think originally the, like the phrase kind of, you know, had to do with money, but now we kind of talk about success can be anything. So like, you know, you had the the warehouse that you were making a ton of money on that you kind of took a step back from, and then, you know, you wanted to start other endeavors that, you know, were more creative or more fun to you. that made you feel like more fulfilled. So like, you know, I know you're making money DJing now, but like even if you were making less and you were just happy, that's getting your nickel up too. It's really just kinda doing the little things right in life, you know, hustling on the little things just to set yeah. yourself up for success. So um, I feel like that you're the perfect guest to have on just because, you know, serial entrepreneur, you've always tried to get your nickel up and do whatever that makes you happy. And you know, that's huge.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, a lot of the money that's made, I also just put right back into it. I mean, living in this spot, it's so expensive, but I knew that it was going to be so pivotable pivotal, pivotal towards my career because I can host so many people here, I can have people come stay here, I can have friends who also make music if they need to fly in, like I have a guest bedroom for them. I have my hat workshop in the third bedroom, um, and there's so much entertaining I can do here disco ball like I throw sick parties here and it just helps me be able to bring out more people to wherever we're going um and just like build relationships like there's nothing better than connecting with people and making more friends like that's the best thing like and everyone down here in Miami is so open to that I meet people in the elevator all the time here Mm -hmm. and they're like oh I just moved here it'll be like a girl and I'll be like oh like like you'd fit in so well with my my girlfriends like come and hang out with us. And like a month later, like we're all best friends and they're in the friend group. And it's like, so cool to just connect people and and have that opportunity down here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so different than going out in Boston and going to the selfie bars and everyone's dressed like the same thing. And like, they're all looking at you like, what, like, why is this kid dressed like that? He looks like a douchebag, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's... it's just, uh, everyone down here just like, just so open to meeting people and traveling and just having a good time. And that's the best part.
1: What does don't be a sheep mean? Don't Where be a sheep from?
2: is, is just more so about like, don't be a like a, I mean, just be the, like, be a main character, yeah. like be someone that stands out, be the main character of the room. Um, don't just be like a res- reserved like yeah, don't bring something to the table and yeah. then be an alpha you know what i mean and i don't mean it in like a bad way where like be a like a boss person like a bossy person but just don't bring conform just be the main character mm-hmm.
1: like you know live yeah. life how you want to yeah yeah no, that's exactly. great so
2: i think you get killed by
0: wolves <laughs> i got one more question at least for yeah. me so it's like everything that you've done while it's been in like a ton of different industries it seems Mm -hmm. like to me everything was like a logical step to get to where you were today because when you were doing like your you know your your teen tour you kind of you know got the taste for the spotlight you got the taste for you know performing running your own shows and not
2: like not intentionally though like none of it yeah it just happened right so
0: then you moved into like the e com space Mm -hmm. and then you know you kind of got a foundation for that you know just running an online business and then from there you kind of parlayed it into the you know building your hat brand Mm -hmm. and i know you said you didn't do a ton on like the e com marketing side with that Mm -hmm. but you still built a business online and then through that you kind of built your personal brand yeah. in Miami you know whether you know your hat company was a direct or indirect marketing vehicle for you know Benjamin Lloyd the, the DJ you know you still got your name out there in Miami yeah. and now you're killing it in Miami you're starting to go back to new cities whether it's you know New York Aspen Barcelona Boston mm-hmm. um, like what's the next step after DJing what's your next goal
2: it was like, it was my dream to own a, a speakeasy. You've always said that. That's uh, what I thought you were going to say. Had, and had the, uh, the front room be a vintage hatch shop and then have a, a back lounge where it's like disco-y, but like just a vibe spot where you could do like nights that were like comedy nights, but you could also do like a disco 80s night, like just kind of like cool curated parties towards like different things, different nights of the week. I That was like my dream to be like the face of that i still I still want that someday, but the more that I like see restaurants come and go, the more I'm like it is so hard to make it at a restaurant these like the lifetime of restaurants are so short, and the profits are just like they're just they're so small and it has to hit right it has to be a perfect location. The execution needs to be like so spot on now it can happen people make a lot of money doing it, of course, but the more you see it, the more you realize it's it's one of the riskiest. businesses to get into. I think statistically it is. It's just insane. Like you think that a a restaurant is doing or a club is doing so well, but there's just so many costs to run it. And it's just, it's just hard to keep it full and and it's hard to do it for more than two years because then people get tired of the spot and Dave Grubman does the best job Mm. of doing it. He just has a new spot after new spot and they all do so well. Like they all like he crushes it. I mean his marketing's great, the menus are great, the atmosphere is amazing, like it's 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 an awesome he's built he's built Miami, like he's helped make Miami what it is today. Like he's one of the like founding fathers of like <laughs> what Miami nightlife is and it's mm-hmm. and it's such an inspiration. Like good for him. It's well, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think that's perfect. I think we're kind of at a good stopping point. Totally. Um,
2: all right, but anything appreciate else do you, you
0: wanna? Anything else you yeah. want to say? Any anything else you want to share?
2: No, that's it. Awesome, you guys have me on. Of course, anything. anytime we'll have.
1: Oh wait, for tonight we, we,
0: we didn't even ask this. We said I asked you this, and then you said we talk about it there in the pod. Oh. So before uh, you became, before you started DJing consistently, hmm. you were your your Ben Nader, <laughs> obviously, and then your hat brand was you know by Benjamin Lloyd. Yep. And then your Instagram used to be like Made or Do It. Yeah. And I remember that there was like a vote on your on your story and what should my DJ name be? And it was Benjamin Lloyd or Made or Do It. Yeah. And how did you decide to go with Benjamin Lloyd?
2: That was tough cuz I loved Made or Do It. I felt like it fit me as like a person. I feel like my whole my whole like DJ vibe a lot of it is just like we have such, like it's just like have a good time, we get fucked up, we have the best friends. I have so many girlfriends. The best, one of the best comments I get from my guy friends is like, I love coming to your events because I get, <laughs> I get laid every time I go. So that's like the best compliment I can get is like my friends come, like I bring a ton of girls and then my guy friends are like, it's so easy for me to get laid because <laughs> there's so many options. So um, <laughs> you made her do it. <laughs> so I, I just felt though like that name was very childish. And for the long term, if I wanted yeah. to be like a girl, world named DJ, you, I had to do something more elegant and like, Prestigious, so I always knew that it was gonna have to be that or something different. But like, I wanted to see what the
0: people said. I feel like Benjamin Lloyd is a very like powerful name too.
1: Yeah, like that's my middle name. Yeah, my my grandfather. There you go. Well, all right, Benjamin Lloyd.
0: Benjamin Lloyd, thank you for hopping on, man. Let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for tonight. It'll be sick. Sweet. All right. Awesome, bro.